Hey there, thanks for joining today. Really excited to talk about um, the upcoming panel that uh, we're putting on at South by Southwest in March. Um, and I really wanted to just talk about the background of this panel, what's going on, how this came to be, and give you more context uh, for those that are interested in learning a bit more about what we're doing and why we're doing it. So uh, the first is the title of this panel is Rethinking Masculinity, Let's Start Questioning. Um, and it really came, I, I'm almost going to back up a bit um, to give you the full story of how this came to be. And the topic of masculinity, uh, men's work, um, was something that was really, truth be told, probably eight, eight years ago, something I wasn't even aware of. Um, but I had gotten to a point in my life, probably about seven and a half years ago, where, um, you know, I had been doing what I thought was all the right things. I, uh, after high school, took some time off, wasn't sure what to do with myself, then decided I want to go to college, but didn't really have money for that. So joined the military, uh, spent four years in the military, and that was how I went to college. I graduated college. I moved to California where I wanted to be, um, started working, got myself a career going, uh, met an amazing woman, got married, started having kids, got a mortgage, um, and was doing all the things I was thought I was supposed to do and was doing well, but I hadn't taken much time to really check in with myself. And I got to a place where I was feeling, it was like I was doing all of this, but I wasn't having much connection, uh, you know, outside of my work and then in my family, which I loved, but I was, something was missing, right? And I think it was those the, the guy connections um, and feeling a bit lonely, right? And all of my friends seemed to be the husbands of my wife's friends. And um, so I was seeking something. And that's just kind of the, the background of my life and where I was. Um, and in general, you know, I knew a lot of people that had done uh, weekends and transformative events and done these workshops. I had never done anything like that before. Um, and, and then I, and I had heard about one which was a, a weekend that was like a men's weekend, a transformational weekend. Some people in my family had gone through it and said it had spoken about it probably a year earlier. The other thing that happened was uh, something that's very close to me that I really appreciate and, and respect had mentioned that he had been in a men's group. And I remember asking him a lot of questions about that and trying to understand what that meant. And I didn't really uh, understand. And every time he tried to explain it to me, I couldn't understand either. Um, it just kind of didn't make sense, and I was so much, I was so curious about what's going on, what are you doing, what's happening there. Um, those two those two things that happened. So I'd been turned on to this idea of a particular weekend. Um, I had spoken with a friend who was in a men's group, and that sounded interesting. I didn't know much about it, and those had been floating with me for a while. And then I made the decision to go ahead, not tell anybody, and just sign up for that weekend and check it out. So I went to this weekend, and I will say that it was it was powerful, it was transformative. Um, it was something I'd never experienced something quite like that, uh, something that was that vulnerable and that open and honest. And then to, to do that around other men, and it wasn't the men maybe I imagined it would be. Like I was, I was quite surprised at the diversity of the guys that were there and, you know, the big tough guys and maybe the guys that did, didn't perceive that way. But I, the range was incredible, and it allowed me, um, I think, to see men in a way that I had never done before. And it also made me realize how uncomfortable I had been for a long time around men and looking at some of that. So that, that whole experience was very interesting. I learned a lot about myself. I had the opportunity to kind of bear witness and see uh, 
the truth, what I think a lot of men are walking around with that are not exposing or showing, and, and all of us are kind of keeping it to ourselves. So that was powerful. But like anything, that was a weekend, and uh, a weekend is just that. And I think any of us that have been through any sort of workshop or transformational experience, if, if you leave that and nothing happens afterwards, then quickly we will kind of slip back. It'll be interesting, eye-opening, but usually we'll, we'll drop back in. And uh, what the, the leaders of the, of the weekend said was, go find uh, a men's circle that the organization uh, that I'd done the weekend through had circles all over the world that you could go find one. And, you know, if you want to continue the work, you know, the weekend was great. It was a beginning, but it was really just the beginning. And that if you want to continue this, this sort of work and looking at these concepts and ideas around accountability and integrity, um, purpose, uh, that, you know, finding a group and continue would, would work. So I went and I looked and for whatever reason, what I saw around me did not work. And I really wanted to continue this. I was inspired and I was kind of lit up. So I put the word out that I wanted to start one. And uh, that was seven and a half years ago, we started a circle. Um, the circle is still running today. Uh, we have close to probably 18 active members and uh, meet, meets every week, which is really awesome. And it is a place where, where men can show up, can get real, can get authentic. We're not sitting around telling stories and patting each other on the back but we're providing a space for, for guys to show up with whatever they need to show up with. If that's anger, if that's joy, if that's shame, if that's guilt, whatever it may be, it is a safe place. And guys can get real um, and we can hold each other accountable and really look at purpose, accountability, integrity. And um, it's been super powerful. And for many, many years, I really didn't share much about this with anybody. Um, it was my thing and I, did, I just didn't know. I was probably still judging it. Like this is, different, never done anything like that before, or was I like part of a cult now, what was going on? And I had all those insecurities, so I just really kept it to myself. Um, and it, like I said, it's super transformative, especially over the years, being able to, to do that, to show up, to not only create what I needed for myself, and to kind of create that, that connection that I was seeking, but also end up doing much deeper work and having a place to do that. Um, and slowly over time, I think as my career shifted, I got more aligned with, with, with work. I got more comfortable with what I was doing, uh, joined CultureAmp, and you just started to talk about it a little more professionally. Um, you know, I've always felt it was important. I'd love to bring this sort of work at some level into the workplace, uh, you know, allowing, again, men to show up and be authentic. I think it would look different in the workplace, but at the same time, it was just the power that I saw in the circle, just constantly sitting with how can we bring that transformative power into the workplace. Um, and through my conversations with uh, Stephen Twang, who's our head of DNI, uh, last year for our conference, our Culture First Global Conference, we decided to kind of bring it to the stage and do something with it, which was really a big move. Like talking about coming out of, you know, really doing something for me and then starting to feel more comfortable talking to others and then deciding to put on a full, um, uh, I'm going to say panel, but, a, you know, panel, I think is a negative, a lot of people don't like panels but, it, you know, a very interactive kind of engaging panel at our conference. And that was really where um, I, I saw the, the power of this. So what we created for that um, was the idea of leveraging stories. So using stories to connect with the audience um, by sharing journeys and experiences around healthy masculinity. Now, I will say that uh, Stephen... Uh, really has an edge for, for, for provocative. It was our conference. So we, we framed this a little differently. And that was that it was going to be intentionally three white guys. And I think 
even if you ask Stephen that that was that was a very intentional thing. It was almost to be a little provocative uh, in a conference where we did think a lot about diversity, but we wanted to like put white guys on stage talking about their stories of masculinity as a way to almost cut a little bit. Um, I was nervous about that. I was particularly nervous about that, but um, I went with it, you know, and I really, I trusted Steven and, um, you know, and also, yeah, so that was, it was a great experience. We got up, we shared our stories, we had a Q&A session. Um, it felt very vulnerable. Uh, and, you know, I speak quite a bit, but I can say that when I, before I got up for this one, it felt different. It was a different level of vulnerability and intensity that I don't normally feel. And afterwards, the response was, was pretty overwhelming, um, particularly from women, people of color, um, which, which made me very nervous. Again, I'm, I'm quite aware of, of, of my whiteness and uh, my straightness and my cisgenderedness. And for me to get up on stage and talk about these sorts of issues as if I'm you know, some sort of expert is tricky and, and not the way I want to come across. So I chose to be authentic and speak for myself. And however it landed and the response from, from, from uh, across you know, genders and uh, different groups was really impressed and it, it touched me and inspired me. Um, so again, knowing, knowing we were onto something here, however, before that got here, but we'd already been planning it, uh, the deadline was coming for the submission to South by Southwest. And I have, um, I set a goal for myself last year that I was going to submit for South by Southwest one way or another. And it was getting closer and I was thinking about what to do. And I realized that, um, I, you know. I, what we had been building, I could modify that. We could use that. And it was, I, I felt like it was powerful. It was something I got my head around for this for this instance. So I went with it. However, I was not going to put three white guys together uh, on stage to go to South by Southwest. That was not something I was comfortable with. And I wanted to take the same concept of telling story to cut through as a way to shift perspective and engage in conversation, um, but to, to, to talk about different perspectives on masculinity. So that was kind of what I had. I had this the format, and I knew that I wanted to take some very unique people that could shed light and create story or share story that would uh, change perspective. So I did a lot of brainstorming, and three people came to mind. I'm really happy that the three people that came to mind all agreed uh, to, to do this. Uh, it was quite an undertaking to reach out and to ask for this. Um, and I just want to share a little bit about the three of them. Uh, the first is a gentleman named Ashanti Branch. Uh, Ashanti first came on my radar through the, the men's organization and that work. I knew that he had, he had been involved in um, some of that uh, locally, and then he had been selected. His work was put in a movie that's called The Mask You Live In, which was done by Jennifer Seibold Newsom about masculinity uh, as a follow-up to, to misrepresentation, which was around you know, young girls in our society and culture. Really great movie. Take a, take a look at it. And one of the one of the stories that is highlighted there is Ashanti's work. And Ashanti grew up in the inner city, uh, Oakland, and uh, raised by a single mother, um, and went on became an engineer. Went to San San uh, Cal Poly. Became an engineer, but quickly realized that that wasn't his calling, and that it wasn't what the work he was supposed to be doing. So he got his teaching credentials and went to go teach in middle school. He, while in middle school, he basically, his experiences led him to realize that he needed to create a space for, for young men and um, what she started doing and creating a place for young men to show up, uh, take, off their, take off their armor, their masks, get real, at least in this particular safe space, um, 
and have authentic conversations. And what they saw was a real improvement in, in, in outcomes for these students. It was pretty powerful. Um, that work, best I understand, got, got picked up by the movie. The movie brought a lot of attention. That's uh, turned into a, a whole nonprofit, the Ever Forward Club or uh, Siempre Adelante. Um, and uh, now is, is bringing that work to schools uh, in the U.S. and really making uh, safe space for young men to show up and also this, this talk about the mask and kind of like how we have these masks and what, what's on the outside and the inside. So um, that's, that's Ashanti, and he's going to talk about kind of his story and the mixed messages he was receiving around masculinity from you know, being raised by a single mom uh, and what he was learning in the streets and really how the stories were conflicting and in some ways his, his work to kind of almost heal it for him and heal it for the world. The second is uh, Max Masur. Max is a transgender, masculine, non-binary. Um, and I will say that when I was thinking about these different perspectives, uh, I had had a side conversation with a gentleman when I was thinking about this, a gentleman named Alan Ratcliffe from IDEO, who's also a, a phenomenal person. You should definitely look him up. Um, and Alan said to me earlier, said, you really want to dig into masculinity? You want to get a good perspective on masculinity? He said, talk to a transgender man. And when he said that, I was like, of course, of course. Like, and I, shocked that I had not thought of that before and that it was absolutely need to be in this conversation on, on, on multiple levels. And that really stuck with me. So when I was putting this together, I thought to myself, like, I would love to have a, a transgender, masculine, a representing person show up um, to share that story. And uh, I had done work with Max. Max is with Argo Collective based out of New York City, and they do um, – they do uh, consulting with organizations around diversity, you know, equity, and inclusion. Um, you know, Max was first very influential for me in a conversation we had that that really reframed using pronouns. Um, and 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 from that conversation, I changed my pronouns on my LinkedIn page, which then has started numerous conversations and articles. And been um, one of the the most simple and most powerful things I've done in the last uh, three years. Um, so at that point, just, just that perspective shift that I gained from Max in, in my short interaction there um, really solidified a friendship with me uh, and a connection with Max, and we've done work since. So when this came up, automatically I thought to myself, Max, of course, and Max uh, said yes, and I was, I was really honored. Um, so yeah, so Max will be working with us as well. Uh, and Max, gosh, I don't even know where to begin, and I think it's going to be so exciting, but the life experience Max has had that the the that, that informs him or them on uh, this topic being being born a woman working in technology male dominated having a child as a woman um, then deciding to transition going through that transition then presenting and living as a man um, as a parent but also on that other side of having lived in this world. Uh, you know, identifying one being accepted on one side as, as, as female, living on the other side, and those two stories. Um, and when Max talks and, and frames that, it's every conversation we have, I'm just kind of like floored with perspective and alternative views that I never could have provided for myself. And I'm so grateful for that. And to have Max with us in this, partnering, providing the insight and support has been such, such a treat. Um, Finally is a woman named Sammy Grisafi. Sammy, um, just last year I was at a conference, I was at the Culture Summit uh, in San Francisco, 
and randomly had a conversation, like talking to somebody who was talking to Sammy and said hi, spoke for 10 or 15 minutes, but I still remember that conversation, how we just locked in. And I, I was like, I don't know what it is about this person, but like, I will know this person for a long time. And she's just something. It was so uh, engaging. And um, I just I just knew I had met a friend. So, um, but what I learned about Sammy was not only was Sammy there representing her company and she does uh, engagement for a technology company in LA, uh, Sammy also is an accomplished musician, grew up in a family of musicians uh, and um, has done a lot of recording and, and even worked for you know, movies and television. Um, but also Sammy was the first female in California to ever play varsity division one football. She was the quarterback and captain of the team um that's cool it's amazing and then went on to um to basically with two football teams two female tackle football teams both the chicago force and also team usa um she was mvp with team usa the two uh world um international uh female football league championships she was the mvp um and just what a cool story and, and playing football those years and coming up um, and then playing, you know, professional football as a female, just intrigued and, and something I just, somebody had never come across before, stories I'd never heard before. Um, so we, we started a friendship and I thought also how amazing it would be to have a woman on this panel to talk about masculinity and what, what Sammy could bring to that from her perspectives in football. Um, and, you know, what I've learned since too, it's just, and not what I thought she would share. Um, in some ways, playing football with the boys was a very... I don't want to put words in her mouth, but a positive, like she wasn't dealing with a lot of uh, challenging masculinity. And it was when she went and played with women and then had male coaches and that, that, that interaction, that shift, um, again, really, really reflecting on the scripts and how we all act and treat each other and behave. So the Sammy jumping in is just, again, like amazing. So those are the three. And what we're going to do is I'll open it up. I'll share a bit about my story and why I'm doing this and this deeper belief that if we can heal men, we can heal the world. Um, and that men and, and masculinity really at the core of so many, so many challenges. And, um, and we can do that through conversation. Um, and conversations have to begin with an openness. And I think that telling stories to help people reshift perspectives, walk out a little more like, ah, wow, interesting, different, uh, is powerful. Um, so that's the goal of this. We're going to spend about 40 minutes in conversation or in those stories. So I'll open. We'll have that each of them spend some time in telling their stories. And then we'll hold about 20 minutes at the end for Q&A because I really want to engage with the audience. Um, so that's it. That's the outline. Um, I will say that in upcoming um, podcasts, what I'm going to do is some interviews with these panelists uh, individually so you can hear from them. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Also, if you're going to South by Southwest and you're listening to this, Please go into the to the panel selection. Give it a star uh, as a way of showing your support, uh, and hopefully also marking it so you can show up when you're there. That would be great. And finally, keep an eye out, uh, or you can go search. You can also come to go to my Twitter or LinkedIn. But um, it's expensive to get four people to South by Southwest, and uh, we're close. Uh, we've done a lot of the legwork. We've put a lot of this together, and now we need to, to finalize that. And we're about $3,000 short. And that's to cover a couple plane, uh, plane so a couple flights and uh, three nights at a um, accommodations. So, and some, you know, help offset some of the food costs. 
so we've put together a GoFundMe page. Keep an eye out for that, like I said. You can also, I'll post in my um, Twitter feed at, at Culture Craig, so you can get me there. Find me on LinkedIn. If you know how to like go back and look at old posts, I will have posted about that there. Um, or go on to GoFundMe. You can probably search my name or reach out to me anyway, and, I, and I'm happy to help um, get you connected to that. Um, we're really excited to reach out to our community and ask for the support. Um, it's important. It's an important conversation, and the support is needed as well, so you know, reaching out. So uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to this. I'm happy to have shared. Uh, excited to be putting this on. I will send updates along the way. If you can't make it, we'll talk about it afterwards, how it went. And uh, thanks for all of your support, and until the next podcast, talk to you later.